2 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight, verses 1 through 6. We looked at these verses last week. We will continue a look at these. There's so much to glean and open up in these particular passages, very somewhat at least the latter part, verses 3, 4, and 5, and then following are very well-known verses we would oftentimes quote and use in the area of spiritual warfare, the spiritual warfare of the believer. Simply, that's the title of our time together tonight, the spiritual warfare of the believer. And uh, so this is number two in that, uh, in that thought. But let's begin reading in verse number one through verse number six. Now, I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We mentioned this last week. Paul is dealing with the false teachers that have made their way into the assembly of believers there at Corinth. He dealt with them early in the passages in 2 Corinthians. And then he goes on to uh, give some instruction to the church and encouraging them in chapter 8 and 9. We spent some time leading up to mission conference time dealing with grace giving. And now that he has settled and got that instruction and given it to them, he comes back in these latter chapters of 2 Corinthians and he's once again dealing with the false teachers that have made their way into the church. And he deals with them very forcibly. Um, and not unkind, uh, he is, there is a matter of truth mixed with love. That's important. He says, I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. So he's doing it in the right manner, but he's dealing with it, and it must be done. So he's dealing with these false teachers, and he'll continue to work his way through. They've made some accusations against him. Uh, saying that he is literally a two-faced individual, that when he is with you, he's a little meek and mild and scared to say anything, but let him get gone. Boy, he sure writes a nasty, mean letter. And uh, so they're accusing him of some things that they are saying that he's done wrong, seeking to undermine the ministry that God has provided. But when we think about these false teachers, uh, Jude, verse number 4, there are certain men crept in 
unawares. I always thought that was interesting how the Holy Spirit led upon the heart of uh, the, the penman of this book to say crept in unawares, to crept in. The idea of creeping in, it's kind of creepy, isn't it? Uh, the fact that they would sneak in that way, that they would just come in and crept in unawares. The idea of crept in is by stealth or secretly who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. That's what he's calling them. I'm not mixing any words here. Ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's dealing with false teachers. And false teachers, when we think about this, false teachers don't sneak in in the middle of the night. We think of the crept in. But when these cases, they don't sneak in in the middle of the night when nobody's here, when nobody's around. We don't come in the mornings, come in the office, and there's a bunch of false teachers sitting in the pews. That's not the way it works. But they literally come in the front door when everybody's here. Uh, they come in when everybody is open and everybody's watching, and, but we may not know it. We don't understand that. So they don't come in in a roundabout way. They come in the front door, and they don't come in announcing their false notions, at least most don't. That's not their intent. They come in stealth and secretly. They don't announce it. They don't announce their, their doctrine. They don't announce these things publicly. But let's go here. I seem to be dropping out. Uh, they, they don't announce these things publicly. But rather, they come in unassuming, unawares. They make themselves at home they build relationships within the church body, just settle down in the pews and just start budding up and powing up and gathering a crowd around them. They gain those influences, uh, step into areas of leadership, and they gain a hearing. And then once they do these things, then they start doing the work of tearing down. They start sharing that false doctrine. They start teaching. They start uh, maybe complaining about something they don't like in a better way. Or, or oftentimes it's like this. Oh, we have figured this out. We've got something that they don't have. Anytime somebody comes on the scene and says, we've got a new doctrine. We've got this. It's exclusive to us. Run as far and as fast as you can from them. Because there's no such thing. The once delivered, here it is. It's once delivered. There's no new thing here. It's all been God. Everything God wants us to know, everything we need for godliness is found in this book. And so these people come in, and that's often the way they come in and destroy churches. And let me just add right here while we're thinking about this. This is something that what I'm going to mention is something that seems to be going away. It seems to be something that's less and less thought about or even the thought of a need for. And that's this idea of church membership. When we're thinking about false doctrine, when we're thinking about these kinds of things, this is where church membership into the local assembly of believers is there for the protection from false teachers. That's one area it's there for, is for the protection from false teachers from the protection from false doctrine. In Lakewood Baptist Church, here we have, a, we have a published doctrinal statement of beliefs. 
It's a published doctrinal statement. If you go to our website, anyone can go to our website tonight and you can ask for a written copy of it and you'll find there a doctrinal statement. It's important. It's important. There in that doctrinal statement that's listed on the website, you'll find 19 headings listed. You'll find the scriptures, the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the Godhead, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, God in creation, depravity of man, salvation, eternal security, the second coming of Christ, biblical separation, the church, associations, well that's a big one, tongues, that's another one, human sexuality, divorce and remarriage, abortion, giving, baptism. And under all of these headings, you'll find a short little uh, bit of information there that will tell you exactly what we believe and where we stand on those particular issues. And it's a statement of how we believe uh, and how we consider these things. And under each and every one of those statements, there's scripture given. So you, you see it there. It's, it's black and white. And these verses uh, give us some uh, background and, and some foundation from the Word of God. They're not just things that we just come up out of our head with and, and put on a piece of paper. No, they're biblical. And the final listing there in those, that doctrinal statement is the authority of our statement in faith. The authority of our statement in faith. And that's the heading. And under that, we've... Noted this, this statement of faith does not exhaust the extent of our faith. The Bible itself is the sole and final source of all that we believe. We do believe, however, that the preceding statement of faith accurately represents the teaching of the Bible and the beliefs of Lakewood Baptist Church. And there it is, black and white. Church membership, church membership here at Lakewood Baptist is the acknowledgement that you are in agreement with that statement of faith. And that's literally what it says. If you're going to join here, you're going to have to be in acknowledgement. Yes, we agree with that statement of faith. And with that membership, with that agreement, not only is there the agreeability in the membership, we all agree, amen to that. We all agree that with the direction of the Bible and the doctrine that are taught here as members, we all agree. There's the agreeability of it. But there also comes with it, with the membership, the accountability of it. The agreeability and the accountability. Uh, not to deviate from it. Uh, not, to, not to go another direction. When we've joined, we joined under these understandings and these truths. And we are not going to deviate from that. We're not going to go into another direction. We're not going to gather a little group over here and, uh, and start teaching some other doctrine, the accountability of it. And then with that membership also comes the opportunity that comes with the membership, the opportunity. The opportunity is this. Church membership allows church servitude. The ability to serve within the body. Now let me say anyone is welcome and everyone is welcome at Lakewood Baptist Church. And we go out and we invite people to come in and we want everybody. It would be a thrill to me if everybody in Harrison knew to what attended Lakewood Baptist Church. If every Sunday and every Wednesday we had 
chairs out. And we had two services, and we had to go to that, uh, that kind of uh, setup in order to accommodate all the people that would come. That would be a thrill. But understand that everyone is welcome, but not everyone is able to lead in the areas of ministry because it boils back down to this area of accountability and agreeability. You, you get where I'm going with this? You get the importance. You begin to see the importance of yoking up with a body of truth in a church that identifies who you are, the direction you're going. I would rather be identified with something, and this, this right here, I'd rather be identified here this way than identified out there with everything, wouldn't you? And not have that, and that's the importance of it. But the idea of the opportunity and the membership is the opportunity to serve in areas of the church. A Sunday school teacher. We're just not looking for someone just a, a warm body to stand in front of a, a group of teenagers or young people and teach them the Bible or whatever it may be. This is an important matter. And it's a matter of keeping the church pure. And keeping the doctrine on track, uh, even singing in the choir. There, there's another, an opportunity to minister. Now, it would be a thrill if everybody joined the choir. And, uh, and, and, and that, but that's something that, that makes a difference. The area of music ministry. We're not looking just to put an ad in the paper and, and to advertise for an organist. Excuse me, Miss Charlotte. We're not trying to replace you. Uh, or a pianist. We're not going to do that. That's not the way it works. Um, a nursery worker. We're just not going to put out there, we just need nursery workers. Come to Lakewood Baptist Church and, and put warm bodies in places. Uh, in Canaan kids. And on and on it goes. The statement of faith and membership agreement within the beliefs and practices of the local body, helps ensure the doctrinal integrity of the church. It helps keep the false teachers out of the church and protect the faith and the families that are in the church. That is why it's so important. And we could go even further than that and point out they were baptized and added to the church. The idea of church membership that's found in the New Testament. But it's, it's, so, it's so important. And, and, and so sometimes people may wonder why we kind of, and maybe I oftentimes may major on that issue. And this is one. And because this makes a difference, uh, the direction of this church and the integrity of it and who we are makes a huge difference. There is, and in, in, in all this boils back to what we're dealing with tonight, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on all around us. And if false teaching, if those false teachers and false doctrine can get into this church, they will. And they are seeking to. Uh, I can't tell you that someone came in the door. And I don't, I'm not saying you're doing this. But if we leave the door open, they will. They're looking for things like that. And that spiritual warfare, it was real in Paul's day. And it's just as real in our day. Last week I gave us four objectives. Uh, 
that we have as Christians, four things that we fight for in this matter of spiritual warfare. What are we fighting for? Are we fighting just to hold the fort till Jesus comes? No. Yes, we're looking to hold the fort, but we're looking to advance the cause. So what are our objectives in fighting for the, this, in this spiritual warfare? First of all, let me just put a little uh, additional thing to this. If you're a Christian, you're involved in spiritual warfare whether you like it or not. And you'll either be captive in it, you'll be, be taken captive, or you'll be a warrior in it and you'll be taking ground. Let me encourage you, be one that's taking ground from the enemy and not one that's been taken by the enemy. But all of us are involved in this spiritual warfare. So what are our objectives? First of all, we fight for the truth of the Scriptures. We fight for the truth of the Scriptures. Mentioned that last week and, and it's here. We stand on the truth of this Word. Um, it's... It's the Bible. It's the importance of the Word of God. Um, So we fight for the truth of the Scriptures. We stand upon the Scriptures. We revert back to the Scriptures. Why do we do what we do? Because the Bible says so. So we fight for the truth of the Scriptures. Number two, we fight for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. We fight for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. Maybe that should be number one. We fight for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. We fight for God's name not to be a curse word. We fight. We stand up for the truth of who God is. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. That's what we do. We we pray tonight for those politicians and those who are running for office that they might stand up. For right causes. Well, shouldn't the church stand up for Jesus? I heard something on the news, just or a little advert, tidbit of an advertisement of a particular so-called church that's in our area, and they were having a jazz night. Come on down for a jazz night. And there'd be jazz music playing, there'd be face painting, there'd be all kinds of things like this. Well, listen... The the goal of the church is to reach the lost for the glory of God. To equip the saints. To see people saved and lives changed. We fight for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. We fight, number three, for the salvation of sinners. That's what this mission conference is all about. What was it really all about? Was it about just the the gathering of funds? Well, that was part of the, the entire conference. But why? The reason is so that we might see people saved. We might see churches planted. We might be able to send out more people with the gospel message to regions that have never yet heard We heard this week of a particular part of the world where people have not heard. More more apt to be struck with lightning than hear a clear presentation of the gospel. You can't imagine such a thing. So we fight for that. That they would hear the gospel. That the gospel would be sent to them. Jude 23 and others saved with fear pulling them out of the fire. That's what mission conference is all about. 
Fourthly, we fight for the purity of our own lives. We fight for the purity of our own lives. It's a spiritual warfare. There's a daily, there is a daily maintenance in maintaining our daily walk with God. There's a maintenance involved. If we leave, if we drive our car and the little light comes on that says engine, 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 or oil, 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 and if we ignore the engine light and ignore the oil light, sooner or later the thing's going to lock up and we're walking. The same thing happens to us in our spiritual lives. If we ignore the Holy Spirit, if we ignore our Bible reading, if we ignore our prayer time, if, we, if it's just a day in and day out, if we don't maintain, and yes, sometimes it is work involved. Do you find it sometimes that prayer is a labor? It's something that takes effort. It takes a time designated. Bible reading. You know, anything, everything can take place and everything can take priority. And the last thing, often, many times, the thing that's left off is our Bible reading. So I'm simply saying we fight for the purity of our own lives by the maintenance and maintaining our daily walk with God. These are the object, objectives of the, that every Christian should have in our spiritual warfare. And you may add a couple even more to that. But I think those are primary. And we're not just to hold ground. When we think about our spiritual warfare, I mentioned it. We're not just to hold our ground, but we are to be constantly on the march, taking new ground. Personally, growing in grace. If we are still struggling today with the same issues and the sin that once that so easily beset us, if that is something that goes on and on and on year after year, then let me say to us, we have not advanced. We've not advanced. But we ought to have victory in our lives. I'm not saying we won't struggle. That's a warfare. But I'm saying we should have victory in those things. We, there should be victorious days in our lives. There should be that constant moving forward. I'm not struggling with the same things today that I struggled with a year ago. The same sin that's always there and I seem to can't get victory over. Sometimes I think that, that we think all we can do is just hold on till Jesus comes. Hunker down in, in some bomb shelter. We know of these uh, things that are going on around the world, but we hunker down in some sort of bomb shelter while the enemy is just shelling away at our territory and on top of us constantly, and we can't do anything but just stay in our shelters. Just hold on till Jesus comes. Now, I believe God wants us to be up and out destroying the forces that are against us. Quenching the fiery darts that come against us. Pulling down every stronghold. He says out of verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Look, to the pulling down of strongholds. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Pulling down those strongholds. Not hunkering down and hoping we get through it. But advancing. Removing those places that are coming against us. And casting down those imaginations. In spiritual warfare. He mentions that we walk in the flesh. And that was the accusation they were making against Paul. He's just walking in the flesh. And he, it's a play on words here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So our spiritual warfare, it cannot be one in the flesh. We can't fight de- de- uh, the devil in the flesh. We can't do it. We can try. We can try and try until we're wore out. And then we quit. We give in. That's why I think so oftentimes we do go through those things that doth so easily beset us. Why can I get past this? Well, I believe one reason may be is we're trying to accomplish it in the flesh. We're trying to win the battle in the flesh. I can do this. I'll take care of this. No, we can't. But God can. God working through us. It cannot be one in the flesh, but it is one by the power and the Spirit of God who lives within us. Romans chapter 8. Let me read you Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 16. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit, look, that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, notice, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. How am I going to overcome this besetting issue? Not in the flesh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same Spirit of God that lives and dwells within us. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. That's the issue there. That's the key. Being led by the Spirit of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. What does that look like? I believe that looks like, and an aspect of that is that there's victory over sin in our lives. That's the witness of the Spirit. And there could be more things added to that, the prayer life and so on and on. Ephesians chapter number 6, we know these verses very well. Ephesians 6, verses 10 and following. We read them last week, but we got to go back to them. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Spiritual warfare is not fought and won in our strength, but it is fought and won every day and in everything we do and in every aspect of our lives when we yield our lives to the Lord and allow His strength to work through us. Not our wisdom. It's not our plans. It's not my skill set. It's not my ingenuity that enables me, but it's God's. The strongholds that Paul is dealing with are the false religions and the ideologies that the devil has propagated and men have believed. You understand that devil has propagated and put seeds of false teaching in the hearts and minds of people all around us. And when this week we heard of things uh, in Japan, the false religions of Japan of India and different places all around the world. The devil's propagated those things and people believe it. Here in Harrison, it's no different. Takes even Bible truth and puts a a wicked twist on it. And people believe it. It's it's a battle that wages, also understand the idea of belief, it's a battle that wages in the mind and it's against those things, if we go back to that passage in 2 Corinthians, it's against those things that exalts themselves against the knowledge of the truth of God. Didn't the devil, what was his first attempt in the garden? Hath God said, this is his first attempt. That's, what, it's, that's the attempt he made, causing the doubt in the mind. God says this, but he says that. God says, thou shalt not, shalt not, that false religion says, you can. God says, thou shalt, false religion says, you can't. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. What's he done? He's blinded their minds. Blinded over false notions. And we think about, what what does this look like? People are blinded over false notions about who Jesus is. There are people that will come through your neighborhood sharing false doctrine. Oh, they'll use the name of Jesus. They'll talk about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. False notions about who Jesus is. False notions about heaven. False notions about hell. It's not real. It's not eternal. There are people all around us that teach that kind of thing. False notions about if there even is a God and how many gods are there. False notions about sin. False notions about morality. It's relative after all, isn't it? False notions about these things. False notions about what's truth. And they will even go as far as say, as Pilate did, what is truth? But everything is truth. 
It's truth for you. may not be for me, but if that's what you want to believe, that's fine. I'll believe my way. You believe your way. We can both be right. No, we can't. False notions about God's love. God doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't care. False notions about God's provision in our lives. Everyone, everyone of these can become those strongholds in our lives that exalt themselves against God and His truth. When we start thinking, God doesn't love me, God will not provide for me, God has forsaken me, then we start allowing a beachhead, a stronghold in our hearts, in our minds that says that it, that exalts itself and we raise it up higher than who God is Himself. The areas of spiritual warfare in our lives. These are what we're talking about. Every born-again Christian deals with spiritual warfare. The problem is that, as I mentioned earlier, some have been taken captive by it. The strongholds are there. We meet them all the time. You deal with it regularly. Let me ask you tonight, is there a stronghold in your life? That you are enabling and you've allowed that beachhead in your heart, in your mind, and you're thinking in such a way that it's, it's exalted itself against the revealed word of God. The nation of Israel wanted to go back to Egypt, back to the strongholds that they'd been set free from. There are strongholds of disobedience. We know the will of God, but we're not going to do it. It's a stronghold. Spiritual battle. This idea of imaginations, the word that's used, things that go contrary to who God is. When we allow our minds to dwell on what's not true about God instead of what is true about God. Then what takes place? We allow our minds to start dwelling this way. And all of a sudden when our minds start dwelling, there's something that wells up within us. And I think it's the sin nature. All of a sudden there's this thing, these things called feelings and emotions. They now jump on board. We allow our mind to go in a place it shouldn't be. And we're dwelling there. And all of a sudden our feelings and our emotions jump on board. And they, they team up with the mind, with the wrong thinking. And they start telling us that the wrong thinking is now the right thinking. We start to believe it and it becomes that stronghold of the devil and the only way to cast it down, to pull it down is to come back to the truth of who God is, uh, the revealed word of God, what his promises are to us and so on and so on. Depression and despair swims in the sea of unbelief. It just swims all day long. Just gets deeper and deeper water. While peace and contentment is found in the steadfast faith. In steadfast faith. Pride is a stronghold. Ignorance is a stronghold. Indifference is a stronghold. Immorality is a stronghold. Religion can be a stronghold. An intellect can be a stronghold. You ever met somebody, was, my mom would say, you're getting too smart for your britches. An intellect can be a stronghold. Materialism can be a stronghold. Self-righteousness is a stronghold. Good works stronghold. We are to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. If we allow our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions to go contrary to the revealed word of God, then we've lost the battle. 
But if we bring those thoughts and those feelings and those emotions in line in faithful dependence to who God is, then that's where we find the victory that's won. Spiritual warfare is only won by using spiritual weapons, not fleshly ones. Keep in check the imaginations of the mind. Does it matter? Yes, it matters. What we allow to settle and what we allow to breed there. Three R's. Recognize the battle, resist with the truth, and rejoice in the victory. That's the formula in spiritual victory. Let's bow our hearts. We're over time. Father... Lord, help us now as we deal with these matters every day. Lord, you have helped us. You've given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. So I pray tonight, Lord, we would cling to it, yield to it, love it, and live it. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen.